0: So welcome my good friend, Christy Duff. It is such a blessing to be here. Um, I've had the privilege of being here a couple times, and my husband has had the privilege of coming too, and every time we get to this church, we feel like we're home, and we just love you girls so, so much. And last night, somebody at my table said, have you ever heard Pastor John sing? And I got to say that I was privileged enough to grow up at Calvary Vista when they were there as well. And it wasn't Christmas until Pastor John had sang, Mary, did you know? And that was when we knew we could go home and decorate our houses because Christmas is here. So, you girls are so blessed to have your pastor and your pastor's wife, and it is such a blessing for me to be here as well. So, let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for, Lord, your greatness, for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, for your salvation, and God, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace that you are the author of peace in our life, that you are the perfecter of peace in our life, that, Jesus, we're here celebrating this season tonight because, God, you came down to bring your peace to mankind. God, fix our hearts, our eyes, our attention on you alone, we pray. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, I've been married to my amazing husband for 18 years. And I was thinking this last week about our first Christmas that we had those 18 years ago. And now our Christmases are so much different. We have a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and it's chaos and it's fun. But that very first Christmas, I just wanted our Christmas to be perfect. It was our first Christmas in our first apartment of our new marriage. Marriage, and he had never had a real tree before and I had only grown up with real trees so on our way to the Christmas tree farm because we did get a real tree and so on our way to the Christmas tree farm we somehow ended up buying the biggest fullest tree that I could possibly find and I don't know what I was thinking because we had a tiny little Toyota Corolla and so the people put it on top of our car And it literally hung over the front of our car. So he's driving like this, trying to see around the tree. I'm driving like this, trying to help him see around the tree. And I just keep telling him, this is going to be okay. It's going to be so good. You're going to be so excited. You don't even know what you've been missing your entire 22 years that you've been alive. And so we got it off of the car. And maybe I failed to mention that we lived in an upstairs apartment. And so we get it off of the car, and we're on our way upstairs. And I'm—I grab the front of the tree, and I tell him it's going to be so good, it's going to be so great. And I charge up the stairs. Well, you really shouldn't take the top of the tree upstairs first, because then the Christmas tree goes like this. And so we got lodged in halfway up the stairs, and completely stuck. So then we're trying to back it down and the guy who lives in the downstairs apartment, he comes downstairs to see what is going on and he's not very happy, but then he sees us stuck and he just starts laughing. And so he comes and he helps us and he gets it upstairs and we put it upright and it lodged into the ceiling. There was no room for the cute little angel that I had bought that year. It just lodged in the ceiling and I kept saying, it's okay, it's going to be great, this is going to be so much fun. And so I strung cranberries, and I strung popcorn, and we decorated the tree, and then we went to bed, and then we woke up the next day. And our living room was completely dark, because I had put this Christmas tree in front of the window, but there was no window left behind the tree. You could only see the tree. So I thought that I needed to move it, but I waited for him to go to work. And then I thought, OK, I'm going to move this thing, but I didn't quite know how How do you move a gigantic tree that's completely decorated. And so I decided if I pull it from the bottom, I think this is going to work. And so I start pulling it, but then I realized if I twist it, if I twist it around, it'll get to where I want it to go. And so I did, and there was some water splashing, but it was okay, it was okay, it was going to be great. And so I got it to where I wanted it to go while I stood up, and I realized that as I was twisting it, the cranberries that I had freshly strung on it were spinning around the living room, and it splattered all over the wall and all over my couch, and cranberries were everywhere, and pine needles were everywhere, and water was everywhere. And to top it all off, the place that I had moved it It was such a big tree that it completely covered the hallway. So for the next month, we had to walk around the tree like this to get to our bedroom. And as I was thinking about Christmas and thinking about that first Christmas, I was wondering what is it about this season that tends to bring out the mess when we are so desperately trying to emphasize the perfection. We want everything to be perfect. We want our meal to be perfect. We want our house to be perfect. We want to lose a little bit of weight so we can be perfect. We threaten our kids within an inch of their life to be perfect and to make us look like perfect parents. But the thing about Christmas is that when Jesus came, He didn't come for our perfection. He came for our mess so that his perfection could be on display. He came into that imperfect first Christmas. He came in through a girl who probably had fresh wounds on her heart from a ruined reputation, from the whispers, from the rumors that she had been pregnant before she was married. He came into that first Christmas, not in a beautiful room like this, but into a stable, into a manger with only swaddling cloths to be wrapped around him. We come to this season desiring perfection of gatherings, perfection of presents, perfection of meals. And yet Jesus came into this season not for our perfection, but to clean up our messy, to be the prince of peace in our chaos, to bring the broken and the messy whole and beautiful again. I was in Mexico in an orphanage recently, and not the type maybe that you would think of where the kids are all cute and wanting to be adopted and wanting to be hugged, but it was an orphanage for older mentally challenged adults. These were adults who needed their teeth to be brushed, adults who needed to be showered, adults who needed to be dressed, adults who needed to have their hair brushed, their socks put on, who needed to be fed, who needed to have their drool wiped, adults who needed to have their diapers changed, their dishes washed, their laundry done, and I was there with our high school youth group and it was the sweetest weekend serving alongside of our high school kids and two of my own high school kids and from my mom's heart my mom's perspective watching our kids take care of these precious people who had no ability to take care of themselves I remember one moment watching my son wheel a man down a hallway in a wheelchair knowing that he was on his way to change his diaper there was is nothing better for a 14-year-old boy to have to go change an adult sniper. That puts character into their heart real fast. But you know, when we were there, we woke up early and we take care of these precious people all day. And then we went home exhausted and happy, but we went home and I kept thinking about the amazing servants who stay there, who live there. There were four 20-something-year-olds that I met who live there and take care of these precious people day in and day out. And it was one of those times where I was absolutely astounded, and suddenly you don't feel like you do very much for Jesus at all, because that seems like the real work, the hard work, the sacrificial work, the life-giving work, it's really not very hard to put on a pretty dress and come tell people that jesus loves them it's not a difficult thing and yet as i thought about these people who stayed who served who've given their lives to be there what a beautiful picture of jesus they were to my heart this jesus this prince of peace We're told in Revelation that the angels and the heavenly beings surround his throne. And day and night they do not cease to cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then they stand up and behold a glimpse of his glory for a moment and they fall down on their faces again. Crying out, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And yet this king, this God, chose to come to this earth, to our life, so that he could make us whole. This prince of peace brought peace by ransoming us with his precious blood, dying on the cross, and raising from the dead. Can you imagine this God who loves us so deeply that, like Philippians chapter 2 says, laid aside his glory, his deity, his heavenly throne to take on the flesh of man? Like the beautiful old Christmas song says, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners are reconciled. This Prince of Peace brought peace to the earth by reconciling our sins with this holy God. Those are some of the most beautiful words that are ever sung. They're saying, listen, the angels are singing, heralding the most amazing truth. That you could ever hear that our sin has been reconciled, paid for by this God. That perfect peace has been made. It's as if somebody came to you and you had giant credit card debt or giant medical debt and they said to you, reconciled, it's done, it's wiped away. This is what our Prince of Peace has done for us. The infinite king has become a finite baby who would live and die for humanity. The angels were singing to the shepherds. The stars were declaring to the magi, you can come find peace. Peace and salvation. Peace in your heart. Peace in your soul. And peace in your mind. Because this Prince of Peace has come to the world, to save those he loved. Now this holy, just, perfect God could have intimacy with those that he longs for. He could bring salvation. God and sinners reconciled, brought together. Perfect peace could be had by us. And this God had come down before. We see in the Old Testament that he came to Abraham to tell him that he would have a child. He came to Moses face to face to give him the friendship, the encouragement, and the wisdom that he would need to lead God's people. We see that he came to Joshua to give him the strength, the boldness, the battle plan that he would need to conquer this new land. He came to Samson's parents to promise a man who could free them from the bondage and the oppression that they were in. There were many times that this Jesus came and appeared, but then the reason that we're here to celebrate tonight, Jesus didn't just come for a conversation. Jesus didn't just come for a moment. Jesus came to dwell He came to be with us. He came to live among us. He came to die for us so that we could be saved. He came to be with mankind to save, to satisfy, to redeem, and to reconcile. This Prince of Peace, this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords came down in the fullness of his love for you. He came down, and when he was on this earth, he stood at the Feast of Tabernacles, and he cried out in John chapter 7, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He came to be a quenching peace to our unsatisfied thirst. Have you ever had an unsatisfied thirst in your life? Three years ago, we moved from San Diego to Palm Springs. And we moved in August. Because if you can survive August, you can survive anything. Sweet June Hesterly came, and she came in the summer, and she said, well, this would be a good time to teach on hell, wouldn't it? I sat there and went. (laughs) So we came in August, and every Thursday, all the mommies would go to this wet and wild water park. And so I think we moved on like a Saturday. And then that next Thursday, I decided to go to the water park with my kids because I wanted to get to know our new girls who were in our church. And I thought, we actually go outside in the summer? okay? So we went outside. We went to the water park. And we were in one of those big wave pools, you know, where the siren sounds and the waves come. And there's thousands of Palm Springs people in this water because where else do you go? and go to your air conditioner, or you go to the water. And so, which I told my husband I really miss the beach, and he said, look around, there's all the sand you could want. I said, I don't miss the sand. (laughs) I miss the water. And so I'm standing there, and I'm talking to these people that I absolutely love, but I just don't know yet. And sometimes that's the best, because you love them, because you don't know them. And so (laughs) I'm talking to them in the water, And I'm just dying. And the thought literally goes through my mind to bend down and get some water from the wave pool and just drink it really quick. I didn't do it. Don't get scared. I was so close, though. I think I said, Hold on just a second. And I like dumped myself into this water. I was dying. I have never been so thirsty. I finally found this giant jug of water and I just started drinking out of it. And a lady came over and she was a lifeguard and she said, Excuse me, ma'am, that's our water. And they said, Okay, I'm just going to take some though. <laughs> I was dying of thirst. Have you ever been dying of thirst? I think that any of us who've lived and experienced life without Jesus have found ourselves dying of thirst. Or maybe you have a testimony like mine where I used to have fits of rage and I was angry and I was mean and I would hit and I would scream and then I turned three and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. <laughs> but I can tell you as someone who has walked with Jesus as long as I remember, there are still moments where I have had those soul-thirsting moments. Like David who cried out in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul Thirst after you. And so Jesus came on this earth to dwell and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because we are thirsty for his love. We're thirsty for his peace. We'll never find a love anywhere else like Jesus' love. We'll never find a peace anywhere else like the peace of Jesus. We'll never find one who can keep us in perfect peace as our minds are stayed on him. We'll never find another avenue to peace that passes understanding. We'll never find another who can break down every wall because he is our peace. This God is worthy of our full attention. This God is worthy of our full adoration. This king, this prince of peace, because when Jesus was in this life on this earth, he told a parable of a man who found a treasure in a field And he said that he sold all to obtain this field so that he could have this treasure. And that's you. You are the treasure that Jesus, this Prince of Peace in all his love, laid aside his deity, the glory of heaven, to take on flesh of a man, to die on a cross, to save you, because he's so madly in love with you. You'll never experience a love like this anywhere else. You'll never experience a peace like this anywhere else. There is no Calgon that can take you away to a place of peace like Jesus has for you. He's so worthy of our lives because he's never failed us yet. Has he? I was reading the other day, In first John and John opens it up by saying this Jesus who our hands have handled who our eyes have seen who our ears have heard his love is the message that we proclaim to you and I know I sat there and I read that that day and I thought I know that my physical hands have never touched you but I have felt your touch in my life I know that my eyes have never seen you. I know they will, like Job said. Someday our faith will become sight, but it hasn't happened quite yet. But I have seen Jesus work and move in my life like in no other way. And I know that my physical ears haven't quite heard his voice audibly, but I have heard him so clearly through his word and in prayer Michelle was um, telling you girls, six months ago, my husband got diagnosed with stage four lymphoma, and I actually don't talk about it very much because it still makes me sad. (laughs) But God sends so much into it, and we're waiting for a PET scan. He has a PET scan the end of December, and so we'll find out a little bit more of what's going on. He had six rounds of chemo, and I think he's doing great. I think he's going to be totally fine. And um And it was so interesting because we actually didn't know that we were waiting for a cancer diagnosis. He had had a giant lump, but we thought it was a lymph infection. And so we thought we were waiting to figure out exactly what it was so he could be on antibiotics. And I remember this day, God woke me up with a song on my heart. And it was a song about Jesus being on the throne, that he was the king of kings, that he was on the throne. And he woke me up with that on my heart, and he said, I want you to sing this song all day long. And I said, okay. And so I turned it on and I walked and had the song on and I dropped my daughter off at school and had the song on and came home and I had the song on. And when I got home from taking my daughter to school, my husband said, I need you to sit down because we got to talk really quick. And as soon as he's telling me, I'm thinking, no, no. And maybe you girls have also been in that place with that diagnosis. And it's like, like you don't want it. Like, if you could just say, no, I don't want this. I don't want this for you. It won't become your reality, but it is. And Jesus was so clear, so loud with his songs, with his words that day. And he said in John that my sheep follow my voice. Girls, we have a prince of peace who is worthy of, of following, because we will never find another peace like we will anywhere else in him. There's that old hymn that says, love came down at Christmas, love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas, stars and angels gave the sign. This is not a season for material wealth that we are in. This is not even a season just to get together that we are in. This is a season of God, this Prince of Peace, being so worthy to be magnified by our lives. And every time I hear that word magnified, I always think of my great-grandma. And we used to go up to Fresno, and we would visit her. And I used to love as a little kid laying down on her green shag carpet. And now I think of that as an adult, and I kind of look at myself as a child, and I think, get up. When was the last time she vacuumed that? How do you vacuum a green shag carpet as a 90-year-old lady? Where was my mother to tell me not to lay down on the green shag carpet? But I used to love laying down because she had this, I don't even know if they still make them, but it was this giant magnifying glass that would clamp onto the side of her desk. And you know, one of those big things that would kind of into place. And I loved laying down looking up at her because her eye was so big. (laughs) It was like a cyclops, but I didn't know what a cyclops was. The first time I saw a cyclops, I was like, it's grandma. And, you know, David says, magnify the Lord with me. What does that mean? That means that you and I, we grab a square carpet. It could probably be a little bit cleaner than green shag carpet, the 90-year-old woman. But we grab a square carpet, and we lay down, and we look up, and we let our perspective be up. And we let our focus be up. And we let our attention be up. And we let our adoration be up because this God is the keeper of peace and we live in a world that doesn't know peace without Jesus there is no peace without Jesus there is no love because he is the Prince of Peace and God is love without Jesus there's no hope like Pastor John was saying, we live in a hopeless world. And Romans 5.5 5 tells us that our hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God says, in my love, your hope won't disappoint, which automatically says to us that whatever else our hope might be in absolutely will disappoint. And we've all been there, haven't we? When our hope has been disappointed, when something didn't fulfill, maybe your kids or maybe you, they've said to you, if you just get me this for Christmas, I will never ask for anything ever, ever again as long as I live. And I just laugh because that's the most hilarious statement ever. And I decided to Google useless Christmas presents because I had time. So if you're not done with your shopping, maybe take out a pen, some paper, your phone, and I can tell you what you should buy for people in your life tonight, right now. I found hand warmers for your hands as you type on your computer in case they're cold in the shape of toast. And I thought, well, maybe you can get this for your gluten-free friends. They might not be able to eat the bread, but they can wear it, and that might satisfy something. I found a goatee saver. It was like a big pacifier that covers the space of a goatee so the guys could stick it in their mouth, shave around it, and find that perfect oval that they're looking for. (laughs) I found shoes that look like laced up hairy feet in case you really miss Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. I found a scratching post for your cat that has the head of Vladimir Putin on top of it. In case you're thinking at your apartment or your house, this could really use some Russian decor. I'm not making these things up. They are out there. I found an ice maker in the shape of teeth so you can look like you're soaking your dentures in your glass of water. So I think I'm going to get that for Michelle so next year you girls at your Christmas dessert can have beautiful teeth soaking in your glasses of water. There was wasabi lip balm, there was unicorn meat, there were yodeling pickles. My husband showed me they now have beard lights so that your beard doesn't have to feel left out of the festivities. Not that I'm saying any of you have beards, I'm talking about the men in your life. And then there was my personal favorite, an inflatable Facebook jacket that you can wear. And when your Facebook account gets a like, this jacket gives you a hug to let you know that somebody loves you. In case in this life we need another cyberspace relationship to give us another empty element of love. I asked my kids what they want for Christmas this year. And my son asked if I could find somebody that I could pay to sit through his life and rub his feet. (laughs) If you're looking for a job and would like to move to the desert, let me know. No matter what we receive this year, we won't find what we're looking for under a tree, in a stocking, or in a person, especially if we have people buying things like this in our lives. Because we are looking for Jesus. He is what we're thirsting after. And if you're in here tonight and you don't know him, can I just say that to you? That Jesus is what you are thirsting for, that Jesus is what you're longing for, and for those of us in the room tonight who do know Him, can I just remind us tonight anew and afresh that Jesus is still what we're thirsting for, that Jesus is still. What we're longing for. When the wise men and shepherds found the Christ child, it didn't end the journey, it began it. And every day with Jesus is us on a journey discovering more fully how he satisfies, more fully how he loves, and more fully how he brings perfect peace into our life because Ephesians 1 tells us that he is the fullness who fills all in all. That means there's no room left for anything else that can fill us ever. And No matter what the season might hold for us, there's one thing that you can be sure of, that you are so loved by this one who came to save you, that he came to bring abundant peace that we could never find anywhere else. There's this passage in Ezekiel chapter 34 where God is talking to the shepherds of his people, and he's not very happy with them because they haven't done a very good job of shepherding. He says in there, The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. He says, My sheep wandered through all the mountains on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. And it breaks my heart every time I read that chapter because it looks so hopeless for these precious little sheepies who are so broken, so hurting, and so lost. And I know in a room this size, there's some who have to feel a little bit hopeless as well. Holidays can be such a difficult time for some. Some desire to be near family. But for whatever reason, you can't be. Maybe your family is passed on, or you've been forgotten, or excluded, or outcast, or the tickets are too expensive, and you can't get there, or your job won't give you the time off. Or maybe you have your heart set on having the Pinterest perfect house. But time is so busy, who has time to glue toothpicks onto a toilet paper roll and spray paint them green and sprinkle it with glitter just so you can have a Christmas tree? We don't have time for this stuff. And so then maybe you think, well, I can go buy everything. But it's expensive to buy decorations when you're already buying presents and special food and coffee that comes in exciting, specially decorated cups just for you this season. And now it's even better because you don't even know which cup you're going to get. And so it's like, which one am I going to get today? And maybe you can't buy everything that you want to buy. Or maybe you did buy everything that you wanted to buy. And you thought you had the Pinterest perfect house until you walked into somebody else's Pinterest or perfecter house and suddenly your house doesn't look very cute to you anymore. (laughs) Or maybe on a more serious note, maybe this year your marriage has fallen apart. Or maybe you're not talking to your family, or they're not talking to you, or maybe a family member has passed away. And don't empty seats look so much more empty around Christmas? And there's so much hopelessness in this world at times. And you turn on the news and you see the refugees or those being sold into slavery or those displaced by ISIS or those who have lost their homes in fires or hurricanes and who can stomach all the tragedy in this world. And we look at them thinking, who is caring for all the lost, for all the hurt? And maybe sometimes I think a lot of times for me, if you're like me, Sometimes we look at all these hopeless situations and we feel so bad because we care so much about our our tiny situation. But it seems so big to us because like my husband says, a minor tragedy is a tragedy that someone else is going through. All tragedies that we walk through are major tragedies. And so who is fixing all this? Who can bring peace to this unpeaceful world? to these hurting hearts. Well, God goes on to say in Ezekiel chapter 34, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. I will bring them back, he says. I will gather them. I will feed them. I will make them lie down. He says, I will seek what was lost. I will bring back what was driven away. I will bind up the broken. I will strengthen the sick. Because the Prince of Peace has come to this earth to meet our need, whatever that might be. He came to bring perfect peace to our fear. He came to bring perfect peace to our loneliness. He came to bring perfect peace to our brokenness. He came to bind up, to restore, to be our Prince of Peace because He is Emmanuel, God with us. He says, you be my people and I'll be your God. This Prince of Peace came to bless us with his presence and all that comes with. Isaiah chapter 9, the classic Christmas verse, he says, His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace. He came to take out stony, stubborn, rebellious, difficult hearts, he says in Ezekiel. And he replaces them with tender, responsive, soft hearts to hear his voice, to listen to his peace, to find peace through obeying his commands. Because this God, this king, This Prince of Peace came into this life not for our perfection, not because we have to be something, not to hear our accomplishments, not to clap at our accolades, not to be impressed by who we think we have to be. But this Prince of Peace came into this broken, hopeless, lost, dying, hurting world So that he could be a piece in our life that we would find in no other way he came to make all things new and so we have a tradition in my house that we started years and years ago because every year when they start to put christmas decorations up like maybe in august it seems like now my kids start instantly talking about what they want for christmas In November, a couple weeks ago, one of my children actually said, it is almost December and I don't even know what I want for Christmas yet. And I thought, okay, well, we've got time. You're going to be okay. And then another one of my kids said, I think that we should call Christmas Thanksgiving. And I said, what? And they said, well, yeah, you know, like, last month was Thanksgiving and this is where we get stuff and so we should call it Thanksgiving. And I said, this is Jesus' birthday. We are here for him. This is Jesus' birthday. And being the classic pastor's kid, this child said, Mom, Dad said Jesus was probably born in September. <laughs> it was too cold in December for those shepherds to be out in the field. He's probably a fall baby. And they said, well, this is Jesus' birthday observed. This is when we celebrate it. This is not about you. It's not Thanksgiving. And so it's a constant desire of mine, seemingly failed up until this point, but that's okay. I'll continue. It's a constant desire of mine to continue to focus our hearts back on the reason that we celebrate this season. Observed or not, this is Jesus' birthday. And so. Years and years ago, God put it on my heart for all of us to get birthday cards and to sit around and pray and figure out early in the season, what are we going to give to Jesus? And isn't that the age-old question from David in Psalm 116? He says, what can I offer the Lord for all He has done for me? To the drummer boy who had no gift that was fit to give a king, because what do you give the guy who literally has everything? Not just in theory, but literally owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What does he want? Does he want your great smile? Does he want you to serve in children's ministry? That would be a good idea. <laughs> does he want you to help Michelle clean up? Probably also a good idea. What does Jesus want from us? Here's the thing about Jesus. is Again, he didn't come for the perfect. He didn't come to be impressed by you. He came to make all things new. He came to be the prince of peace where we could have no peace otherwise. Isaiah 61 says that he gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He says, I don't want you to give me your beauty. I want you to give me your ashes and I'll give you my beauty. You give me your ashes. Those things that you feel burned in, those things that you have burned, those things that are destroyed, those things that you can't possibly fix, that can't possibly re- be rectified. You give those to me and I'll give you my beauty. He says, You give me your sorrow. Your sorrow, your heartbreak, your heartache, the loneliness, the fear, the sadness. He says, you give that to me and I'll give you the oil of joy. I'll give you, I'll just flood you with this joy that you can't ever imagine could come rushing into your life. He says, you give me your heaviness. Those days where you wake up and you feel like maybe you can't breathe at the thought of doing it one more time. The heaviness, the weight that you feel on your chest. Those moments of life where where your breath gets taken away, where the wind gets knocked out of you, where you don't have the words to respond. He says, you give that to me and I'll give you the most beautiful garment of praise and worship and joy and singing that you could ever imagine. And when Jesus, this Prince of Peace, walked this earth, he read from the first two verses of that chapter in Isaiah 61, and he stood in the synagogue and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, it says. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today the Prince of Peace has come into your life so your broken heart can be healed. Today, the Prince of Peace has come into your life so that you can have liberty instead of your captivity. Today, the Prince of Peace has come into your life so your blindness can be made whole and you can have sight again. Today, the Prince of Peace has come into your life. And your oppression can be over and liberty can be yours because today the Prince of Peace is here. He came to make all things new. He came to fix, to change, to save, to satisfy, to redeem, to quench thirst. So in our house when we decide what we're going to give to Jesus that year, we're not giving him our best We give him those worst things that we can't possibly change ourselves because that's why Jesus came. He came to be the bridge of peace to all that divides us away from him. I remember one night. I used to live in Oceanside, and I would drive to the Bible College in Marietta. And one night I was on my way home, and it was 10.30, and I would take night classes, and I was walking from my class to my car, and it was foggy outside. And so I got in my car, and I couldn't really see, and I was on the 15, and it was really, really foggy, and, and I could hardly see anything. And so I'm creeping along the 15. And the weird thing about it, though, was that everybody was zooming past me. And I couldn't figure out how they were going so fast. And every time they would go so fast, it would just shake my little 1988 Ford Escort, just And so what I decided to do was to roll down the window. And it was this. It was not a button. It was a rolling down window. And I thought, well, maybe if I stick my head out of the car, I could see a little bit better and get home. Well, as I did that, all the hot air that was in the car dispersed, and suddenly I could see out of my windshield. Because it wasn't so foggy outside. It was really hot air inside. (laughs) And sometimes I think that we go through this life and we say, I know I have the Prince of Peace. I know I'm supposed to have peace. I know I'm supposed to have joy. I know I'm supposed to have satisfaction. But look at all these circumstances around me. These circumstances won't let me have peace. And I think sometimes God would say, could you just roll down your window for a second so I could send my spirit within you? Because this God, this Prince of Peace, He wants to give us peace that surpasses understanding, circumstances, in-laws, situations, holidays, relatives, family, school, jobs. This God... Wants to dwell inside of us. Absence of peace isn't usually due to extenuating circumstances. Absence of peace is usually an inward division from God. Because the enemy has come to bring a wedge. But Jesus came to bring peace and life abundant. And so we sit down every year and we get our birthday cards and we say, Okay, birthday boy. What do you want for your birthday? Because if your life is like mine, there's like 45,000 things that are wrong with me that I could give him. And the list could go on and on and on. But Jesus is so gracious. And I feel like he picks one thing a year in my heart and says, okay. You know how every time that girl walks by, you kind of go, like there's this little like, kuh, kuh. A little kink in your heart and soul. That's what I want this year. You know how every time your husband brings up that topic, you're kind of like, that's what I want this year. (laughs) You know that word, in-laws? That's what I want this year. My household over the years has given him fear of heffalumps, foxes, bears, those weren't mine. My household has given him tempers, bad habits, those were mine. My household has given him sibling anger, bitterness, Unforgiveness? Because this Prince of Peace came to bridge our flesh and his holiness so that we could have perfect peace in our lives. He came to make us new. He came to make us like him. He came to unbind. He seeks the lost, the hurting, the broken, the sinful. And he says, Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll wash them white as snow. If I had a big giant can of red paint and I just went Merry Christmas and threw it out to you. I don't think you would love me very much and I probably would never see you again because Michelle would never have me back again. (laughs) Because there's no way to get red paint out as far as I know. And yet these crimson stains, these stains that we haven't ever quite been able to get over. These stains of gossip, of bitterness, of lying, of slander, of anger, of wrath, of malice, of rebellion, of lust, of adultery, of pride, of perfectionism. These things that we've said, okay, this year, my New Year's resolution, I'm, I'm not going to do this. And we made it until like 9 a.m. on January 1st. And then it was gone. And it was over. Jesus says that stain. That's the stain that I want from you. Maybe for some in here, you don't know this Jesus, this Prince of Peace, this love that we're talking about. And maybe for his birthday this year, you would want to give him yourself. Because if there is anybody in here who doesn't know him, can I just remind you that you'll never find a love like his anywhere. You'll never have a peace like his anywhere Isaiah 30 says, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So in repentance of asking Jesus to be, in our, be our Savior, to be our Lord, to be our King. Or repentance of just saying, God, I've had a bad attitude. I've got a bad habit. I've got some unforgiveness. I would say to us tonight are we looking for rest are we searching for peace girls we have hope in this Prince of Peace alone this Prince of Peace who comes to search for his sheep to come to dwell with his sheep because he loves us more deeply and more incredibly than we could ever imagine so Lord I God, I just want to take a minute, just in our own hearts. God, we want to ask you, precious birthday boy, what is it that you want for your birthday this year? Jesus, what is it that you look in our lives, in our hearts, and that you would say, Oh, I just don't want you to wrestle with that anymore that divides you from the peace that I came to give. God, what is it that you want to take? Would you put it on our hearts? Would you ingrain it in our minds? Would you, God, help us to intentionally carve out some time, tonight or tomorrow, to get with you with a card And to say, dear Jesus, happy birthday. This year I want to give you this. I can't quite seem to get over it. I can't quite seem to get past it. But God, you said that you would make beauty out of my ashes. Lord, I feel heartbreak. I feel heartache. I feel heaviness. But God, you said that if I gave this to you, you would give me the oil of joy And the garment of praise. God, I'm struggling with this. I feel distracted by this. I feel my heart divided from you by this. But God, you said that you would take my crimson stain, my scarlet, and that you would wash it white as snow. Or maybe for some, God, I don't know you. I've never asked you to be my Savior. But Jesus, I feel an emptiness that I don't want to feel anymore. I want to be in heaven with you. So maybe if that's you in this room tonight, just repeat after me. God, would you come in to my heart and my life? God, I repent of my sin. I can't be perfect on my own. Jesus, I need you. Would you be my Savior? Jesus, whatever it is that this year we need to give to you, we thank you, God, that you are not a God who stands far off, that you are a God who comes near, a God who brings peace, a God who comes to seek and to save that which is lost and Lord not just lost for salvation but lost in a moment lost in a conversation God you are a prince of peace every moment of our life Jesus in the words of Hosea chapter 6 he says let us press on to know the Lord God may we press on to know you Jesus, with all that we are. Thank you for your peace. Pray blessing over these girls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, girls.